Welcome to Five Cats, Two Pussies. This is Ronnie. And this is Lindsay. And this is episode 25! Wait, isn't it 26? No, it's 25. Oh. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what day it is. I barely know what month it is. I don't even know what episode it is anymore. (laughs) This is episode 25. Next week. We will be officially halfway through a year's worth of episodes. But I feel like 25 is more of a milestone than 26 because, I don't know, it's just the way my brain works is in quarters. You know, we're trying to reach like yeah. 100 episodes. This is a big deal. So, poo poo poo, fireworks. <laughs> yeah. So, awesome. uh, I'm excited. For this episode, we have another great witchy topic. Um, going back to uh, Lindsay's history corner today, we're going to talk about witch hats. We've also yeah. <laughs> we've also got a brand new leaf, which I am going to mispronounce at least ten times. Uh, so we've got a brand new herb, uh, Damiana, uh, Damiana leaf. <laughs> Soft claps from Engineer Dan, <laughs> and we've got a brand new pussy of the week. <laughs> So uh, this is a a great opportunity for you to go grab your bevy, turn the volume up, uh, sprinkle some bath salts in your bubble bath, whatever you're doing while you're listening, um, because I'm going to do the inaugural, uh, how was your week, Lindsay, before we dive right into witchy hats? Oh, this week has been pretty much the same as the past few weeks have been, mostly just playing video games. Yeah. I have a rotation now. I'm rotating through two video games now. I like that you have a game (laughs) schedule (laughs) to get the most out of your your gaming (laughs) regimen. Yes. Yes. My my schedule is now roughly like 11 a.m., 12 p.m. to like 4 a.m. of playing video games. That's some hardcore gaming. I, I get antsy after sitting that long, I think. I don't know. I I, I did oh, spend a good five hours crawling through a dungeon on Pillars of Eternity yesterday, though. So I don't know. It's, nice. it's not that hard, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a question for you. Mm. I had a mouthful of beer. Go for it. Did you light the ritual candle? I did not. I haven't lit it yet. <laughs> 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 so we'll, we'll we'll get right into to our little traditions here, and I'm still um, burning for those following the ritual candle along. Uh, I'm still burning the little egg shaped one, and it does have a little bit of mugwort from last week, um, still in the the dried wax. So it'll get a little mugworty um, with engineer Dan and I in the big red studio. So I'll give that a light. So sweet. I almost forgot, but I've been telling myself all week, make sure you ask Ronnie during the intro if she's a lit candle. <laughs> it is a lit and looking fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 
Before we jumped on the air, uh, I have I have a Django update. It's not my cat story for the day. I do have an actual cat story, but just you know, in case you're wondering how the other cats are doing that we maybe we haven't chatted about in a while, I picked Django up today for the first time since he was maybe a two pound kitten, and he is now a fifteen pound big boy. And my good god, <laughs> he was so heavy and he was so unenthused. But he didn't fight it. He he didn't love it. But I did pick him up. I I swaddled him in my arms for a good two and a half minutes before the fluttering of his panicked heart was too much for for me, and I put him back down. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Two and a half minutes is a long time. Yeah, I didn't pick him up very high. It was like he was on his blankie, and I was on my knees, and and so I just sort of scooped him up. I've been working on him, but... uh, Still, <laughs> I mean, for a cat who like doesn't want anybody like walking him, much right? less touching, walking by him, much less touching him. Yeah, that's and, like that's huge. And, and I won't lie, you know, the the touching, like the forceful touching, is um, you know partially for me because I love him and he's soft. But uh, it's also because I fear that someday there will be a situation where I have to catch him and I won't be able to. You know, whether it's something as simple as like maybe he's got an eye infection and I'm going to like, you know, give him some drops or something like that. Or I have to take him to the vet period or, you know, whatever it is. But I want to be able to like catch my cats if I need to um, as long as they're in the house. If he ever gets out, he's gone. (laughs) He'll never come back. But um, (laughs) (laughs) but the other two are easy. Like Floof will like. He'll like he doesn't like to be picked up, but you can pick him up. And if you shake the treats, easy, instant cat. Shoot, I have three cats, and the third one's name will run into my head. <laughs> Kenway. <laughs> so Kenway is like the most friendly, chill cat ever. You can just pick him up whenever, wherever. He His actual preferred state of being is on your body. Um, if I had a, like a baby Bjorn or something like that, I could just put him in it, and I'm sure he'd be happy as a clam. But... Uh, I wanted to actually share, I don't know how other people catch their cats or if there's like a thing that you will, like you do to like instantly attract your cat. Like I think like, you know, common ones are like you put a, put treats down. Okay. That's, you know, that makes sense. Or, um, put a box down and cats like to be in boxes. Kenway likes to be in what I've dubbed the cat trap, which is if I form a circle with my arms, he knows doesn't matter where in the house he is. It doesn't matter if he's asleep, if he's eating, if he's taking a shit. If I am in the room uh, laying on my stomach, usually on the bed, but if I am laying on my stomach, like maybe reading or looking at my phone, and I've created a space with my arms that basically forms a circle underneath my chin, he is there like instantly. He knows it's happening. He can sense it. He can smell it. I have no idea. And he has to be in it. Like if I was ever trying to like, like literally seriously read a book or work on my laptop, I can't, I have to sit on my butt because if I sit on my chest, he won't take no for an answer. He's got to be in it. And as soon as he's like in that space, then he just like, he curls up and he goes like right to sleep. That's his most favorite. Like if I had an enclosed circle when I'm laying like of my arms, when I'm laying on my stomach under my chin, it's insane. That. Is so cute. And it's so, like, it's so regular now that I lay on the bed and I'll be like, (laughs) cat trap! And then, like, two seconds later, he'll be there. (laughs) It's so weird. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I don't know if like Aww. if pterodactyl or Mister have weird things like that where it's like, oh, if you, I don't know, if you wear this sweater, they have to be on you or like. But yeah, Kenway's is so weird. Cat trap. <laughs> so cute. So so cute. Oh my gosh, my two like the legs. Uh, they just like want to be fair. in between my legs. <laughs> So um, if you've got a if you got a neat trick to catch your cat uh, or a thing that your cat particularly loves um, or is attracted to you when you do it and it's a weird habit, um, feel free to drop us a line at 5C2PPod on Gmail or 5C2PPod on Instagram. And we will always like, share, respond, comment, whatever we need to. We will acknowledge you because you've taken the time to write to us and we love that. Uh, but again, we've got a couple of great topics today, witch hats and... Uh, Dem, oh, here we go. (laughs) Damiana Leaf. (laughs) Uh, And we'll be right back. Totally. See you soon, witches. Welcome back, pussies. All right. Hi. We're going to get into our first topic. I'm really excited about yeah. this. <laughs> we, I think we mentioned doing this like back when we first uh, episode like zero when we were coming up with ideas. I think this was one of the topics that we were like, hmm, we could talk about witch hats and where they come from yeah. and why are they so freaking ugly <laughs> and, um, and a little bit about the history. So uh, 25 episodes later. Here we are. We're finally going to do it. Yeah, dude. There's actually like a whole bunch of theories as to where they came from or where the imagery came from anyway. Yeah, I feel like I, like, you certainly did the bulk of the Sorry, you're back. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, you certainly did the bulk of the research for this one. Uh, and and I am like fascinated and curious um, to see what you came up with and what you read and what you learned and what we like and what we don't like. Because as with most things uh, which related, there are a million resources and no one perfect interpretation. So I, I'm dying to hear the different uh, theories that you've found so that we can pick the one that we like the best. Yeah, dude, totally. Um, I mean, there was a lot. I kind of pulled out, I pulled out a few things that I thought, you know, made the most sense. Um, But like, really, pointed hats were worn throughout history. Like, either as fashion, or as like, symbols of ritual, and like, symbols of ritual dating as far back as like, the 12th century BCE, dude. Oh. Like that far back. Crazy. That then like way back then it was usually like a horned helmet or something. But um yeah. Like Man, there's a lot. That'd be awesome. I'd totally wear a horned helmet. I feel like this is the like Dude, right? <laughs> I feel like this is one of the like few eras in human history where hats aren't that popular. Uh, I mean, even as far back or as early or recent or whatever um, as like the fifties where like wearing a hat for most men was expected kind of thing. And then the farther back you go, different head coverings and hats and that sort of thing. But like almost always some form of head covering was expected in polite society and it's only sort of recently that, I don't know, I feel like hats have kind of taken a bit of a backseat in accessories. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, I mean, they are like, and especially if you live in a place where you walk around a lot, they, it kind of sucks to have to like take a hat off all the time. <laughs> have nowhere to put true. it. You know? <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love wearing hats, but I hardly ever do because it's, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot more to deal with than I want to deal with. But you're right. Hats have played a huge role in history. Um, a lot having to do with fashion, a lot having to do with like, um, you know, like you said, uh, being in polite society, covering your head, blah, 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 all of that stuff. In researching witch hats, I, I also found that there was some like racism and prejudice when it came to like identifying people by the hats that they wore, which kind of sucks. Surprise, people are shitty. Totally. <laughs> totally true (laughs) oh shocker Uh, people judged others based on what they were wearing oh man (laughs) i mean some people were were forced to wear hats to identify themselves um there were like there's some ancient greek texts that say that people who wore soft and slightly pointed hats um were untrusty untrustworthy foreigners Ooh. and we're yeah they're talking about and they called them barbarians like they were known as barbarians and these people are wearing frigging caps <laughs> which were like it's, it's like a smurf hat dude <laughs> <laughs> it's to, it's totally i know exactly what you mean now thank you <laughs> yeah yeah, dude. And like even even Greeks wore these frigging caps. So yeah, they were totally signs of untrustworthy foreigners. Also, there was some like anti Semitism too when it came to pointy hats. Yeah, I I'm not full- surprised by that, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. So in the twelve fifteen fourth council of the Lateran, um, it was required that all Jews wear a Juden hat to identify themselves, which was like a pointy hat. Why are and so that so hat became mean? associated. I don't. I don't know, dude. I don't know. This is like. I, I assume that the twelve fifteen means twelve. The year twelve hundred fifteen. I didn't get that much into this because uh, it was like sort of towards the end of my research that I was doing <laughs> this, and I just I needed to not do it anymore. Um, but yeah, that so that hat became associated with um, acts that Jews were often accused of back then, like black magic and sorcery and Satan worship. <laughs> so, yeah. And then there's also like this anti-Quaker thing, too, because um, people just thought that the Quakers, I guess, were Satan worshipers. So there's that and that's all my anti stuff <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> i had like pointy hats go uh one of the anti things that i had uh read was that it was largely surprise surprise um christians uh, trying to demean uh, people that practiced some other form of worship whether it was paganism or witchcraft or anything that they deemed again like you said untrustworthy and Uh what they ended up doing was adopting uh, the conical pointy hats that were generally worn um, by wizards either in real life or mythology uh, and uh, they'd sort of in later times in the late 1700s early 1800s adopted this uh, ritual of 
wizards and magicians and hokey science people of the 1500s when this conical sort of dunce hat was popular and adopted that pointy hat towards witches in the late 1700s, 1800s as a sort of like look down your nose at them, poo-poo, how silly and stupid they are uh, because they didn't believe in Christianity. I actually have have a little more on that. Oh, good, good. (laughs) Yeah, and like what I got from it wasn't that it, it wasn't that they didn't believe in Christianity, but it did have a lot more to do with fashion. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so you mentioned dunce caps. That's great. Funnily enough, um, dunce caps didn't initially mean what they do now. <laughs> I like had... wearing a dunce cap was a sign of enlightenment. <laughs> okay, okay. That's what I thought. I was like, I read literally that sentence that like dunce caps didn't always mean this. And then I didn't look up what they actually did mean. <laughs> so it was yeah, a sign, no, it was originally like a, a, a sign of like okay. higher learning. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like people who wore dunce caps were there was like this this cone of knowledge above them. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. But as far as like the whole fashion thing goes, you mentioned pagan, which I will also get into. Um, so like you said, fourteen hundreds, fifteen hundreds, there was this hat called the Henin. And it, it was like a conical hat. And sometimes they were truncated, which means it wasn't like pointed at the top, but they were those ones that they were like usually pointed. Some of them were really tall. Some of them were not that tall, Um, typically worn by like women in nobility. They had um, usually like, like a piece of fabric that would cut out the end of them. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know exactly what you're, as soon as you said that, is it the like the princess veil thing that like, you know, you wrap it around? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, exactly yeah, what you're yeah, talking yeah. about. <laughs> totally. So 1400s, those were super, super popular. And London at that time was like, it was like the hub of fashion in Europe. Um, people in Paris also wore them maybe, maybe a little bit later. I'm not entirely certain, but the fad, you know, caught on around Europe. So also around the same time, the church and devout followers of the church decided that they hated pointed hats because it reminded them of devil horns, which is super strange to me because (laughs) like they would build steeples and spires on their churches to draw your gaze to the heavens. And I don't see why that wouldn't be the same from a hat. I wonder if way. I mean, I could see like, I could totally see an argument being made as a uh, a priest or a bishop or whatever at that point in time and being like associating it with devil horns because it was a fashionable thing and vanity is poo-pooed. So I don't, I don't know. That's Maybe. my own personal like, wild interpretation. Know, <laughs> Super weird. But on the, on that was just kind of like – thrown into the middle of my notes and I felt like it was a good point to make because I, I, the church did play a huge part in you know the whole like witch craze but back to fashion so there were these henins everybody wore them and this is like mostly in the cities so because there wasn't really like I, a, a gr- any great means of communication to people outside of the cities it took a really long time for fashion to trickle outward in the country so the people who lived outside of the cities, um, the city dwellers would call them uh, Pagani, 
or pagan, which oh. literally means like country dweller. I so did not know the word that. <laughs> pagan that we that we know now, the definition now is not the same as it used to be. That's freaking cool. So, because these Pagani, because it took so long for uh, for the fashion to get out to them, they started wearing these pointy hats like way after the fad was over. I can relate to and that. And <laughs> they were usually they were usually like herbalists or farmers' wives who were you know like super wise to the ways of nature. And so these pointed hats eventually became associated with wise women or, or witches because anybody who was like, you know, who like knew about herbs and stuff. Right. Had to have been a witch. And then if you were, and if you were a more affluent person who was going to seek out somebody, uh, a, a Pagani, uh, then that would be a, like a symbol of, you know, somebody like I'm looking for the, the, the person with the pointed hat kind of thing because they're wearing three years ago's fashion. So yeah, that, yeah, I exactly. That fascinating. Isn't that crazy? That, <laughs> I think that like, I, whatever else you've got in store that I think that's going to like top my list of favorite <laughs> things of where the witch hat comes from. That's fucking cool. I think that that was my favorite. This other one is kind of cool, but I don't really know I suppose it's plausible, absolutely, but I think that uh, the one that we were just talking about, the, the fashion and the Pagani, um, that one makes the most sense to me. So I have one more theory on the history of witch hats, where they came from, and that's um, from around the same time, Alewives. Oh, sweet. Oh, that's the one that uh, I had done the most reading on as well. So I was like, I was like, well, if Lindsay doesn't mention alewives, then I'll have one for her. But you, you got me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Alewives um, around the same time, they wore similar hats. They weren't, I, the ones that I've seen anyway, they weren't usually pointed. They were truncated. So they were flat on the top, but they were tall. And they would wear these so that if they had like, made enough ale to sell outside of their homes um, that they would wear these hats so that they would be eye-catching from a distance. Like, you see the hat outside, you know that there's some ale there to buy. Yes. Right? Yep. And a lot of ales at that point in time were also, um, I think, gruit is the word, were more like herbal herbal beers and meads and tonics. Uh, so they yeah. weren't just making an IPA. They were making, uh, you know, they were making herbal like life elixirs essentially. Uh, and yeah. they were, you know, really seen as more than just a beer. Uh, they were also seen as, you know, herbal tonics in a way. Yeah. A lot of them were. Um, but in addition to these small scale, small scale brewsters, there are also these uh, like more large scale commercial breweries were starting to pop up too. Most of these were owned by men. So because these large scale breweries are popping up, they're like, they're, they're putting these brewsters out of business. And eventually like both the public and the male dominated brewing industry began accusing brewsters of like diluting their ales with cheaper beers or like uh, putting herbal concoctions in there to make people sick, cheating their customers, stuff like that. 
So wicked witchy things. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So there's that. But then also with roosters, and this I didn't know. Um, so alewives, when they're brewing at home, if they had like a cauldron of like fresh ale to sell out of their homes, they would put a stick outside, just like leaning up against the door or like next to the door, called an ale stick or an ale stake. Um, and some people say that, you know, sometimes the stick was a broom. Yeah, I think we have um, mentioned before, and I, man, I am dying to do an entire episode just on alewives at some point. We'll like we'll get some really good beer when we can get back together and fa- be face to face and yeah. uh, and sip some really good beer and do a whole episode just on alewives because I find it fascinating and I love that 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 side of witchcraft history and witch history corresponds so nicely with uh, our current uh, you and I's like. Uh, interests outside of just witchy things but yeah Yeah. I I think we've mentioned before that like that was something like when the when the ale was ready uh, they would sweep the steps and then hang the broom above the door as a sign of like we're open yeah I saw some things that said they would hang a broom above the door and actually saw some like illustrations that people did of this like but it wasn't a broom just like hanging above the door like you would think a broom would be hanging above a door. It was like, like sticking a out hole straight above the door <laughs> no. that they would stick the handle into. <laughs> yeah, I. I but then I also read some well, stuff that, that they would just lean it up, lean it up against the the door. Right. I. I, I mean, in my head, it was like you know there was like two little like deer hooves or something that you just like like antlers or something you just have like put it up perpendicular to the or no right. parallel to the door but it's not it's it's perpendicular you just drive it in this hole i i don't know i thought it was cool it's like a really cool open sign literally yeah so weird <laughs> so weird so so which <laughs> hat to be a broom either <laughs> so yeah could have yeah. been could have been from wives. So cool. So alewives, the Pagani, and a and a hiccup in history of fashion, people being shit human beings and being judgmental and racist. And yeah, I think that that pretty much <laughs> sums up how people viewed witches in as a whole. <laughs> they were a little backwards. Absolutely. They were a lot judged. And they were just trying to do cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as like witch hats um, being depicted in imagery goes, really didn't start until like the 1700s yeah. when they started showing up in, ch- in children's books. Yeah, and I know. Um, oh my God, I'm gonna. Uh, 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 shit, his name's going right in my head. Francisco, um, Francisco Goya is one of the oh, um, yeah. first. Uh, first classic uh, painters in the Spanish Romantic era, I think. Um, he's he's accredited with a lot of paintings that I really like that have to do with witchcraft and um, demons eating the heads off of bodies and stuff like that. But he's supposed to be one yep. of the first people that painted a witch with a pointy hat as well. Yes, I actually did read that when I was uh, doing my research. Yeah, today. I, was, I was trying to find. <laughs> I wanted to text you a picture of it. And I was trying to find a picture of the the painting with that, and for the life of me, I could not find it. I found all the other cool Francisco Goya paintings, but could not find <laughs> could not find that one. <laughs> so maybe I'll find it between you know when we're doing this recording and when this episode goes up, uh, so that I can share it on the Instagram. But you know, if not. If we don't get there and you're listening, 
and you know what it is and what it's called, let us know. Because I love that picture. I just don't yeah. know what it's called. Yeah. Um, so I have no idea what it's called. <laughs> I uh, I am curious, Lindsay. I know your your Animal Crossing person wears a witch hat. Yeah. Do you have a witch hat? Um, I do have a witch hat. Yeah. Do you really? I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. What's your witch hat look like? I do. It's black. I, I use it for costume. It's um, it's black and it's soft. It's actually a little bit too small for my head. <laughs> But it's not like the the like nylon tall like ultra erect and pointy sure. kinds of witch hats. It's cool. um kind of velvety black. Yeah. I've never dug the personally for my personal fashion aesthetic, I've never dug the tall pointy witch hat, so I've never been drawn to it or purchased one. I see them all the time and there's some really, really beautiful witch hat makers out there. Um, real artists uh, making some really cool stuff. And uh, and if you know of one that you want us to plug on the Instagram feed, uh, let us know. Happy to do so. It's it's 5C2P pod on Instagram. Just tag them, tag us, um, DM us, and happy to, to promote other artists in the area. But I was really excited my last little little sort of thing on witch hats, uh, my end, I suppose, is that um, the movie Doctor Sleep, Rosie the Hat, was the first time that I had seen essentially a witch uh, portrayed with not the tall pointy hat, but the hat was very significant um, to that particular character. And that is the actual type of hat that I have. I have the same hat. Uh, and it is, I don't even know what that style of hat is called, but it is a... Mm, mid to late 1800 style like short short top hat essentially uh, and yeah. I really like I have one of those that is my personal witch hat I bought it for costuming but now when I want to feel witchy especially if I'm doing tarot readings or something like that I, I feel like I get a little boost of confidence like a lot of people do wearing their favorite things but I love wearing that hat and um, it's a little little Stevie Nicks uh, a little witchy and I loved that Rosie the Hat in that particular movie had had a different style of witch hat and was super into that so that's my hat cool well, Hats. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't like. I don't like wear my witch hat. My witch hat for, you know, fashion. <laughs> That's fair. I'm. Uh, I'm a little shy about wearing mine in public if I'm not in full costume. Oh, or like it, yours it, looks great. It, it totally is. It's cool. It. I could get away with it, but it is a little like it's a little eccentric. Um, so I don't wear it often, but I do feel very powerful when I do wear it. Um. Cool. <laughs> so witch hats uh if you've got one show us um if you have a favorite story of where they come from that we didn't mention drop us a line but man i think i think it's so, super cool um the the pagani is is definitely my favorite of those stories yeah it's mine too for sure for sure we will take a quick pee break and be right back with a brand new herb yeah! See you in a sec, witches! Welcome back to our herbal section. Kelly, we've got a <laughs> brand new herb uh, for you today. And I think I'm going to get this right this time. It is Damiana leaf. 
Woo. Uh, <laughs> <Jamie> <laughs> <Arna>. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, listeners. Just the engineers dance. <laughs> has broken me. <laughs> so uh, I am going to say this wrong at least once or twice more. But Damiana Leaf um, is uh, is a. A, a little like a tiny little bushy leaf thing. <laughs> I'm talking with my hands today. It's all it's all over, <laughs> folks. <laughs> um, so it's got long, um, deep green leaves and little like five petal yellow flowers. And this is a leaf um, or the plant that you use just the leaf. So. Uh, it is very commonly used for uh, for bladder issues, but most commonly used as an aphrodisiac. Ooh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, it is actually. I don't think, much, I don't think that we, we haven't really covered an aphrodisiac yet. So, so I have a question. This is a question I haven't been able to ask in a while, uh. but I'm very excited to. Can you smoke it? You can. <laughs> and we're all going to smoke it together. It's going to be great. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Lindsay and I got some, uh, Damiana leaf a while ago. Um, and I split my little supply so that, uh, anything that we try in the future, we can all try together. Uh, because although we are social distancing, I can still put things in a little sanitized baggie and and leave that baggie outside of the house for Lindsay to come and pick up when uh, she's running errands. So now we can try things together. So I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Super this psyched. this is supposed to like have an impact. Um, and I don't want to like go too much into it, I suppose, before we light up and give it a try. But um, it is uh, the second most common herb. Um, used in sexual uh, enhancement products. So this is supposed oh. to, uh, in smoking form or in a tonic form, uh, is really supposed to give you an oomph and is actually supposed to increase stamina. So we're going to give oh, it a try. Really <laughs> cool. I, have, I have no idea what this is going to taste like, but I will say when I opened the little bag, um, it was very dry and full of twigs. So I had to pick all that shit out, but it smelled like iced tea and not like tea. It smelled like, like a hibiscus herbal iced tea, a little sour and a little tea-like. It did not smell grassy. Uh, so I'm curious to see what it tastes like. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed the scent of it when I opened up the baggie. Yeah, and it is um, supposed, to like, be quite, oh. supposed to be quite aromatic um, when it's alive, too. So anyway, uh, I'm going to light up. Oh. And Lindsay, I'll get you to, to do the same. And we'll pass this around for a second and see what we think. Yeah, totally. This is very dry. It's having a little bit of a tough time for me to get it to light correctly. Yeah, same. I'm going to try again. I also, uh, while, I got it. I <laughs> while, got it going. <laughs> while we were setting this up, Engineer Dan showed me how to appropriately use Clippy Chomp uh, because I've been avoiding using her because I was like, oh, if I put it, the, the rolly in there, I can't. Like, it cuts the whole thing in half and blah, blah, blah. It turns out you just, you just pinch the tip. Things I didn't know. <laughs> didn't know how to use my roach clip. <laughs> I feel like my mom would be proud of that one. <laughs> 
you know, I find the flavor of this uh, not totally unlike mugwort or mullen. Oh, there we go. Not I finally exactly got mine to go. like it, but uh, reminiscent of it. I'll pass Clippy Chomp over to Engineer Dan. Yeah, it's, uh, it is actually, for how dry it is, it is way smoother than I thought it would be. Now, I am not, um, I am not immediately turned on, uh, but, you know, like any good herb, we'll come back to seeing how it makes us feel and like puff, puff, pass as we go through. But I have some more um, Damiana leaf facts for you. So, uh, as I said, it's used as a bladder tonic, um, which has no medical proof, but was apparently a very popular um, thing. You would drink uh, a tonic made with um, Damiana leaf and it was supposed to help you like pee better. Um, it is the aphrodisiac use of it is actually quite old. And so I found delightfully mixed um, information. So it was originally, uh, or I wouldn't say originally thought, but the Spanish claimed to have brought it to North and South and Central America with them. But that is a total bullshit lie. Um, this was actually, this is a plant that is native to uh, Central America, South America, uh, like the northern part of South America and uh, the southern part of North America. So very like Mayan Aztec region. And um, it's been used um, in their culture for centuries uh, for uh, for sex magic, essentially, uh, for rituals uh, that were um, somehow uh, intertwined with sex magic. Now, sex magic doesn't mean uh, magic that, you know, you're... Uh, you're trying to be a better lover or like give your partner more orgasms or something stupid like that. Um, sex magic is magic that involves, uh, involves sex and a coupling of like male energy and female energy to bring a, uh, about a desired result. Um, so it can enhance your sexual experience. Um, there's a lot of like yoga in like uh, themed magic around that sort of thing. But uh, there is, uh, there is sort of this separate group of sex magic that is more about more about your like internal changes and introspection than it is about actually partnering with someone. So uh, this would often be brewed as a tea um, or a tonic and then uh, drank before you embarked on that type of thing or um, smoked before or during those types of rituals. Cool. How are you feeling? Well, I've only had my second or third puff because um, I puff, puff, pass, and I can't puff and talk. Um, but oh yeah, I kind of like the taste <laughs> of it. On my like next, like on this m most recent drag, it tastes more floral than I thought it would. I'm getting this sort of like very flowery aftertaste. What about you, Engineer Dan? Yeah, it's good. It's good. I I I, I feel the tea vibe coming off of yeah. it. Um, so it is, uh, it is a mild hallucinogen. So we may feel something from it. We may not. Um, and typically you need to 
ingest or smoke quite a bit to have those types of reactions. But um, because it was actually used in the production of synthetic cannabis for a long time, uh, it was illegal in the state of Louisiana um, from 2005 to 2010. They, they did this wide sweeping ban on a whole bunch of different things and it sort of swept up about 40 different medicinal herbs under, you know, it, under this sort of umbrella that it was uh, hallucinogenic or would make you high or whatever. And uh, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of herbalist groups, a lot of, um, specifically a lot of Native American um, medicinal groups that got together and were like, hey, this is a big part of our, like, our heritage, our beliefs, our rituals. Like, we're not using it for what you think we're using it for. And they got the law amended in 2010. So, but for about five years, it was illegal in the state of Louisiana. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. I have to admit, I'm, I am feeling um, a little bit of a heady high off of it. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I, I'm getting a little bit of like a, a relaxed vibe from it uh, as well. I, I don't think I feel stoned or anything like that, but and yeah, no, I, I and I don't know. Maybe like maybe if I was smoking it with the intent of you know going into some sort of sexual uh, sexual experience or sex magic, then you know maybe it would have that effect. But it doesn't immediately make me want a bone or anything like that. At least not yet. Yeah, me either. <laughs> I do have kind of this like minty film in my mouth now from it. Ooh, I don't have a minty film, but I do it's have a floral weird. aftertaste. A um, couple last quick things for for uh, this particular herb. Um, the name com- that I can't pronounce <laughs> comes um, from <laughs> from a Greek word, actually, which I found. Uh, interesting and also kind of sad. I kind of hoped that it was a Mayan or Aztec word uh, root because they were the ones that grew it, discovered it, used it. Uh, but it's it's not. It's Greek. And it comes from this sort of idea of taming the wild one. Um, so it means to tame or subdue. And, oh. and, and it does have... <laughs> Um, after we've all tried it, it does have consequences. <laughs> so like anything, we are not doctors. We are not trained uh, herbalists. We are not apothecaries. We're none of those things. We're a cu- couple of goofballs smoking some dried grass. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we we know we're taking the risk ourselves. So we don't recommend that all of our listeners go out and try it. But if you do, you should be aware that it can fuck with your blood sugar. So if you have diabetes or are on blood sugar medication, maybe skip this one. Um, in large quantities, it can fuck with your blood sugar in a significant way. Uh, and in large doses, um, that's like 200 milligrams or more um, at once or in a short period of time, um, it can uh, cause insomnia and increased headaches. So it's Ooh. doing something. <laughs> if those are the side yeah. effects of, a, like, of having a lot of it, um, I, I can see the sort of the insomnia maybe like coupling with the stamina thing i'm not i'm not entirely sure but i i would give this a b plus it's no mugwort but it's pretty good yeah i like it i i am digging the minty film left in my mouth from it it's nice yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, almost it, like i just broke my teeth <laughs> compared to some of the other things we've tried this definitely tastes better so yeah damiana leaf uh b plus pretty good it's pretty good yeah not bad um 
also on the uh, on the break, one quick herbal uh, footnote. Uh, several episodes ago, maybe like episode three or four, we shared a story about my humming uh, neighbor. And oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we've also done an episode on Colt's foot. So I have discovered in the past week, my humming neighbor's backyard is loaded currently with blooming Colt's foot. And I am dying to sneak over in the middle of the night and steal some. <laughs> because <laughs> because they're not very nice and I don't think I, I don't feel comfortable asking just to have some <laughs> so now I'm considering taking some which I won't do but yeah I, I've I've discovered my first colt's foot at large in my neighbor's backyard <laughs> <laughs> oh I have I, actually I lied I lied I had one more uh uh Damiana uh, a fact or thing um, as it relates to magic and magical use uh, because we talked about crystals last week it is recommended mm -hmm. that because of its inherent connection to sex magic that you store a damiana leaf with a piece of quartz and damiana leaf oil is an oil that you can use to anoint quartz crystals oh cool yeah <laughs> So um, I haven't, awesome. I haven't dived any deeper into that connection just yet, but uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Maybe that's more facts for a future episode. Totally. Oh, I got to do a totally. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's that time drawing near to the end of our episode. Where we get to shout out our pussy of the week. Those are my drums. Who do we have this week? So, this week we have an extra special witch. We, a long time ago, when we started the podcast, Episode 25 was this big accomplishment in my head, and I set a weird, arbitrary goal of we won't have any guests on the show until at least episode 25. Maybe 25, we'll finally have our shit together, and that'll be the episode where we have a guest. And I had really wanted to have this week's Pussy of the Week on as a guest. We will, but we're going to hold off until we can all be in person. So this week, Michelle Hanlon... Our friend, our dear, dear, dear friend, is our pussy of the week. Michelle is a witch. Proud of it. Actually, I think Michelle is the first person I ever met uh, met that was very open about, like, I am a witch. And I believe in witchcraft well before I was comfortable admitting those things. And, and I think she actually really helped give me the confidence to, uh, to explore that and... Uh, was one of the the people that she took me to a bunch of different shops in Salem, Massachusetts, and introduced me to different types of witchcraft as well. Because Michelle's practice leans more towards um, voodoo and hoodoo than uh, mine, but I remember when I told her I think I'm a green witch, she was like, "Yes, I think you are. I just needed you to find that kind of thing." And she's she's a fucking <laughs> badass. She's 
funny, she's smart, she's awesome. And right now, Michelle is working her ass off on the front lines. She works in a grocery store and she is, I am comfortable at home while she is fucking kicking ass out there, dealing with rude people and inconsiderate assholes, not wearing masks and... And trying to keep some sense of normalcy, not only, I'm sure, in her own life, but also helping others in keeping a sense of normalcy in their lives. Uh, you know, being able to go to the grocery store and, and get, you know, their gummy bears and, and you know, also their <laughs> important things, their essentials. But, uh, Michelle, we love you. I'm proud of you. Um, you're, you're an amazing friend and a real inspiration and, you know... Keep your chin up, man. Keep keep fucking rocking on, and can't wait to get together and have you in the studio with us. Totally, Michelle. Thank you, and we love you. Well, that was episode twenty-five. I'm a little misty-eyed. <laughs> I'm so proud of us I that we know. made it this far. <laughs> I know. I am too. <laughs> if if you are proud of us, listeners. Do us a solid. Share the Instagram uh, with a friend. Share an episode with a friend. If you can get a friend to listen to an episode, I will mail you a pin, a sticker, and maybe, just maybe, our own mugwort smoke cleanser. But you got to tag. You got to share. I got to see, you know, a little action on your side. So feel free to, uh, to share along, but we will be here next week no matter what. So until then, be kind, no Nazis, no pervs. Totally. <laughs>